gas, no brake. And now we have liftoff. Welcome into the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast. I'm your host, John June, and of course, got my guy, Frank Jim Piccolo. Frank, what's good, man? What's going on, John? Good to be back. I missed you next week, last week. What'd I miss? Uh, you know, nothing. Just the Jets uh, rolling back the clock on us, making it seem like it was 2020, uh, and Adam Gase was the head coach, and we're getting the blows, the doors blown off of us by a team that will probably finish with somewhere in the ballpark of nine, eight to ten wins, maybe. But yeah, other than that, everything was great, man. Um, but in all seriousness, we're t- obviously recapping today the game that was a game. I guess you have to call it that because two teams were on the field and there was football being played. Um, one team played it much better than the other team. I'm being very facetious, as you can see. You can kind of see what kind of what kind of tone we're setting here for this. <laughs> Got a lot of stuff I want to get off my chest today. Um, yeah, man, been blood was boiling for like three days, but we're back, man. We're good, chilling. You know, it's it's not a things aren't all bad, right? There's some there's some good that comes that comes out of this game. Some good to break down, but the New York Jets end up losing 26 nothing to the Denver Broncos. And, and Frank, you weren't here last week, like you mentioned. Of course, we missed having you here, man. But um, I said on the show I was taking Denver to cover this spread. I, I was like at the time, you know, I was like, oh, you know, the Jets just got trounced by New England. And, but when you look at that game in totality, that it was much closer than – the score indicated, and obviously the Zach Wilson interceptions, and so I I talked myself by two from Tuesday to Saturday morning because I do obviously the fantasy football diagnostics podcast and we pick all the games. So by the time I got to Saturday, I had switched my pick to the Jets covering the spread because I had felt confident that they would play better than they did, but that obviously did not happen here as they end up losing twenty six nothing. It was just not a lot of good to come from this game, man. I mean, Zach Wilson, he – I mean, that was obviously the storyline, had another two-interception game, but a lot of this wasn't really on him. Um, He was not getting much help from the players around him, whether it was the offensive line, which was just bad again. I mean, talking Connor McGovern, Greg Van Rotten, like those two players have been a weak spot on this offensive line for three weeks now. Um they can't even defend a, a stunt like two defensive linemen looping. Like, how can you not defend that? Like, is it something that when players come to the New York jets on the offensive line over the last five years that they can't stop a stunt? Like, what is it about a stunt that the jets can't stop? Like, I don't, it's something that I cannot comprehend right now. Um, but then you, then you add the fact that you've got, you know, $10 million or $11 million receiver out there and Corey Davis not catching the ball, leading to interceptions again. Like, we made the excuse for Sam Darnold, like, so many times. And I don't want to bring up Sam, but, like, we made the excuse so many times. He doesn't have help. He doesn't have help. He doesn't have help. Like, is I just found myself saying today, is this going to be another situation where we're saying this about Zach Wilson, where this kid doesn't have help, he doesn't have help. It's, like, exhausting at this point 
but he does have help. The help that he has is not producing. Corey Davis was a good receiver last year. Connor McGovern was a good offensive lineman for the Denver Broncos. Van Roten has had some success in this league with Carolina. I, at what point do we start holding Joe Douglas accountable? Because if you look at his free agents that he's brought in, not very good. And if you look at his first draft, you only had one player that played in that Denver Bronco game. And that is Bryce Hall. You know, it, you know, I'm not saying, you know, let's kill Joe Douglas. Cause at the same, at the same token, like I've been going back and forth with this. Cause at the same token, he was picking players for an Adam Gase led team. Right. But we, he can't, be absolved from any blame in this right now when the offense this is his offensive line george fant hasn't been good the only the only player that has been productive on the offensive line is george fant yeah i mean you could throw elijah vera tucker in there he's, he's he did not have a good game he didn't yeah he didn't have a he didn't have a, a great game in week three but you know week one and week two he was he was he was steady for, his for past production is atrocious bro I mean again he's he's a but rookie. he's a rookie I I get it I'm just you know I'm just right. shooting it straight he's, it's his first it's his first playing time in the NFL did missed pretty much all of training camp missed all of the preseason so again I'm grading him on a curve. Oh, absolutely. Uh, just like Zach and just like Michael Carter yeah. and Elijah Moore. But oh, but guys so, like Van Roten and Connor McGovern, you know, yeah. the, the, that curve is gone for you. Yeah. Morgan Moses, like yeah, he's thought, been he's been up and down for the most mostly down. Um, you know, and that's a signing that we were both very high on. And it's like, how is this not coming together? Like, is Greg Van Roten that bad? Like, is Connor McGovern that bad that it reverberates across this offensive line that much? Like, and Connor McGovern really irks me, man, because this is a guy that talked about like, oh, I'm built for this scheme. Like, oh, I, you know, I'm not one of those guys to talk, but you know, uh, this scheme fits me really well, and you know, I, I I look forward to really playing in it. And and you come out and you lay an egg, basically three three weeks in a row, right? And and you know, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, the the guy that I think has the most growing to do. Uh, as much as we talk about a rookie quarterback, we also have a rookie play caller as well in in Matt Lafleur, and there's been some back and forth about whether he he needs to be on the sideline or whether he's got to be in the booth. And like at this point, I don't care if he calls the game from the parking lot. Like whatever he has to do to make this offense score more than 16 points, or I mean, basically more than two touchdowns in three weeks. Whatever he has to do to make that happen, where you go two consecutive weeks without scoring an offensive touchdown, right? Like, whatever you have to do, what if that means putting Denzel Mims, oh, my God, the second-round pick wide receiver, activating him for a game, like, would that be the worst thing to do? There like, has to, there I, has to be something else going on with Denzel Mims. He must I not be taken what, to. I know, but you're not going to you're not you're not going to see him, and it frustrates me just as much as it frustrates you because you cannot tell me with the struggles that the Jets been having on offense that Denzel Mims couldn't help this team. And quite frankly, you talked about it, and I've been saying this. Maybe Lafleur needs to go up into the booth. Maybe he needs to take a step back. And now you have Kavanaugh that's that one ear into 
for Wilson. And maybe that'll be better for Wilson. You know, maybe there's too many people trying to get to Wilson right now and he's trying to force things. Maybe, you know, you'll have that steady hand and LaFleur could just, and LaFleur could just focus on play calling. You know, you're going to come up with the game plan and you're just going to play call and leave the rest to Kavanaugh and Benton and we'll go from there. But also we got to, we played three really, really tough defenses. You know, and that part, that part I understand, but again, right. Like it's the process for me It's trotting out Tyler Croft and Ryan Griffin and Daniel Brown and trying to be a two tight end offense when your strength is not at the two tight ends. Like you don't have you cut Ryan you cut Ryan Griffin in August so you didn't think he was good enough to make your initial fifty three and you're out here and he's getting the same amount of targets as guys like Elijah Moore he's getting more playing time than Denzel Mims right like I don't get it like my like Lafleur you need to find things that work stop getting a, like Elijah Moore one of the great yard after catch receivers in the draft. How many yard after catch opportunities has Elijah Moore had in three weeks? I'll probably count like three. So again, we've got to see more creativity from this offense. We have to see more creativity in the in the way that they use personnel. Like Ty Johnson's not the guy that you want out there throwing the ball to repeatedly as a receiver. Like he's been terrible on passing downs, whether it's in pass pro or as a receiver. Like, just give that job to Michael Carter, right? And even Michael Carter had some bad drops, right? Like, these are situations where, like, you have to find a way. Like, call a trick play, like a reverse, a flea flicker, something that just shows me you're trying, right? You're That you're trying to do something to, pro- to produce some points, right? Like, run Zach Wilson some more. Run some read option. Run some speed option. I don't care what it is. Like, why are we sitting here three years in a row watching a boring ass offense? Like this doesn't make sense. But you can't compare well, the last two seasons to this year. Like we, for the first time. I'm sorry, after Sunday I can because I, no, Sunday, but you, bro, you can't though because this is a total no, rebuild. We haven't no, seen this today, since since Eric Mangini's. Bro, I'm telling you. Like no, you just because- said, it's about the process, right? And and we both live our lives like that. Like it's about the process. These guys first, we are the youngest team in the NFL, and I get it. But LaFleur is also, he's got to be the youngest OC in the league. So he's still trying to find his way. Look, man. You, you know Joe what I'm Brady's, saying? Joe Brady's the youngest offensive coordinator in the league, and look what he's doing over in Carolina, right? Like they're doing their. They, but look who he has, has, bro. I know, but look, but what weapons he got, bro? But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Frank, like yesterday when I say I'm, I'm it reminds me of the Adam Gase era, and I tweeted this out. This that game looked like the game where instead of you're saying to yourself, "Oh, you know, we could easily get blown out by sixty, but." We'd rather not. We'd only. We'd rather only lose by thirty, and that was the typical Adam Gase game, where you go into a stadium, you're double-digit underdogs, and you just play this safe, conservative game plan on offense, so you don't get yourself blown out. And that's the stuff I don't like. I don't care if they lose the game. I told you that. I don't care. Like I knew that they were. I was not expecting the Jets to be good before before week six when they hit their bye week. I'm not expecting them to, to be good at all. And I and I expected that. But what I don't want is I don't want scared coaching. And that's what the Jets did on Sunday. That's what that's what Adam Gase had done over the last two years. And that's what Michael LaFleur, that's how he called his offense 
on Sunday. And that's the part that I have issue with. I don't, I don't have an issue with the score. I don't have an issue with the fact that Zach Wilson's throwing interceptions or he leads the league in interceptions right now with seven. I don't care. What I care about is how are you calling the game? Are you putting your players in position to make plays? Are you are you trying to attack the ball down the field? Like it was a conservative game plan where it was one where Rex, it was the typical uh, after Mark Sanchez throws five interceptions against Buffalo game plan again uh, by Rex Ryan where we're going to hide our quarterback. We're not going to try to try to attack down the field. And we're just going to try to pound the ball and three, three downs. And we have to punt. We punt. Well, you just and that's hit, not the stuff I want to see. No, of course not. And me either. You just hit the nail on the head there. They, you had that horrible game that Zach Wilson had against new England. And they tried to reel back the playbook a little bit. Easy throws. They tried easy throws try to run the ball down the throat, but that's not the defense to do that against. You know, maybe you could get away with another team doing that, but not the Denver Broncos. That's an elite defense. They'll probably finish in the top five in total defense this year. You know, and that and this was without Chubb. This was just with Von Miller, and they wrecked havoc. But the, the bigger problem is, is how bad this offensive line is. Like, I broke down – a couple plays, DJ, uh, our buddy DJ Bianami from the New York Daily News tweeted out a uh, a conversation that Connor McGovern had with, I'm guessing, a fan about a, a particular pass pro where uh, Connor McGovern was supposed to block uh, or his assignment was the right A-gap and the fan kind of went off because uh, you had a free runner. So I went back and I watched the film on that. And that's, you know, that's the rookie Elijah Vera Tucker not not getting the, the front side A gap when Connor McGovern has the front side or the backside A gap. But also, if no one's coming into the backside A gap, you should be looking to your left to see if there's a free runner coming. Or not only that, even if Elijah Vera Tucker was engaged with somebody, you could clean his clock. Like, that guy's not going to expect you to come there. Like th- that's the things that I want to see from the offensive line. And I know, and I know what, what you want to see. You want to see those downfield throws and, you know, you come from this fantasy football world where, you know, that's where you live by and the Jets should be getting into that. We thought that's what we were getting with a LaFleur type of offense. But what I'm looking at is I'm looking at those little things by the offensive line that's going to make those possible. And I'm not seeing that by Connor McGovern. I'm not seeing that by Van Roten. I'm not seeing that by Morgan Moses. And like you, you hear like on the jets Twitter verse that the Jets should bench Van Roten. Who are they putting in? You're going to put Feeney in. Is Feeney going to do a better job than Van Roten? No, we don't have anybody. There's literally no one else that we could put in. Like you mentioned, maybe a Doga, like when we were talking yesterday off air, maybe a Doga. But is a Doga an upgrade over Ben Roten? I don't think so. Look, I think, uh, yeah, no, man, I, you know, you know, I totally understand. I'm before fantasy football, I'm a football guy first. I, I, I understand that none of this is possible at the offensive line, but he, there's ways to even work around that, right? Like you, Use run more screens, right? Like Andy Reid runs more screens than anybody, right? Like, like constantly, like do that. Utilize Michael Carter as a as a screen running back. Get Elijah Moore out in space. 
do some of those things to negate the pass rush. Like you as a play caller can help out your offensive line by trying to do this, do some things to slow down that pass rush, run some RPOs with Zach Wilson, have them run some read options. Like there are things that you can do as a play caller to put those guys in positions to help try to help them out. But one team, one part of this team that is constantly not being put in position, not because of play calling, not because of lack of talent, is this defense. They have been overachieving essentially through three weeks. They are always on the field, whether it's because the offense is the offense is punting or turning the ball over, but yet they somehow are able to being undermanned, whether it's in the secondary or in the pass rush or a linebacker, they somehow go out there and they put up a productive effort every week. Every single week, these guys are flying around. You see effort. You see passion. Uh, you see the youth that, that we know this team has exuberated on defense. Guys flying around, hitting. like It's, it's phenomenal to see that. Uh, C.J. Mosley looks like the old C.J. Mosley. Um, had a phenomenal hit on the goal line, had another 10-tackle game after having one last week. I mean, this guy looks looks like C.J. Mosley from Baltimore again. Yeah, and I thought you are going to see that from C.J. And I wasn't worried about the defense, even when Carl Lawson got hurt, because Salah had to go through that last year when Bosa got hurt and all the litany of injuries that they had on their defense last year. You know, the defensive backs are playing well. What's really getting overshadowed is how good uh, Heinzen Nazardine has been playing. Like, you don't hear he's in the right coverages. He doesn't make many missed tackles. He's really been having a solid, so far, rookie um, season so far, at least in my opinion. Well, well, the thing with Hamza, the reason why he hasn't, you haven't really heard his name all that much is because he has not been playing. Uh, he played 49% of the snaps in week one, 31% of the snaps in week two, and then in week three played uh, 0% of the snaps on defense. So something may have happened with Homs. They may have not, you know, maybe something was, I don't know, but he has not been getting a lot of playing time. Um, but Michael Carter, though, on defense, Michael Carter the second, uh, he was somebody that you you know you you had high praise for calling him uh, the third best player on this defense right now. Uh, I thought that you know he was somebody I highlighted last week when when I when I had done it solo. But he was a guy. He's a guy that constantly shows up, like whether it's in coverage, whether it's um, as a run defender, or you know like some teams will try to run a quick screen and he's always making a tackle and, and, you know, behind line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage or at the catch point. Uh, he had a, a really good play in coverage on Sunday. I forget who the receiver was. I want to say it was Tim Patrick, but either way had a really good play in coverage and, and he's been playing well. So this secondary Bryce Hall, he's been playing well. Um, you know, like you said, do the fantasy football stuff. And, and uh, one of the things I had looked, you know, one of the stats I look at is, fantasy points per snap in coverage. And prior to this game, Bryce Hall was one of the best cornerbacks in that metric, um, which I thought was interesting. He doesn't have a ton of targets against him. Um, I think his target rate per snap was one of the lowest in the league, but that's also one of the 
that's also one of the, the the measures for good coverage is that teams don't want to throw your way. So um, Bryce Hall is playing some pretty good football. At least that's what the data told me, and, and that's what some of the, the film analysts have said as well. And just even seeing him on Sundays, I mean, I thought that this would have been a good test to see him going up against, you know, Denver Broncos team that has some good receivers. And he got beat a couple times, but at t- but he held his own for most of the, most of it. And I'm excited to see what he does, you know, this week as we've got, you know, potentially. I mean, AJ Brown's injured, so we'll see what's up with him. But we've got, you know, uh, Julio Jones coming to town, and we know what what he, what kind of receiver he is, and then. We've got Calvin Ridley down the stretch, and we've got a bunch of other good receivers down the stretch on this schedule. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but Bryce Hall has played played really well thus far. Yeah, and we both expected him to be the number one corner for this team even before the cut. Yeah, of- who was it going to be? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. <laughs> it wasn't going to be Bless before we cut Bless. Um, <laughs> you know? But he had the makings, you know, that injury is why he fell to us as late as he did. You know, he probably would. He's a second round talent, so he he should be playing well, you know. And you talked about, you know, the target rate, you know, I I should have asked you earlier, but he's got to be right up there with Jalen Ramsey's target rate because not not a lot of teams are throwing to the Jets cornerbacks, especially uh, Hall. Yeah, I don't I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I just he was one of the lower target targets targeted one of the lowest targeted cornerbacks in, in the league at the time. So this was entering week three. So it's only two weeks of data. So as we get more data, we'll we, we learn more things. But you know, that, I thought that was an interesting nugget when I was going through my my fantasy research. Yeah, and I always wish I was on uh last week because uh we both attended that game and the thing that I saw, which I was a little concerning to me, and it, I know he had a sack and a half this week, but it was kind of in garbage time. I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about Quinnen in this defense because his defense was supposed to wreak havoc. Or I forget how Olbrick said it, like let him loose like a caged animal, and you just don't see it. Like last year you saw like on every play he'd be pushing the pocket pushing the run, tackles for loss, and this year you just don't see it. I don't know. Maybe that foot is hindering him a little bit. Maybe he's still trying to recover from that. But what's your opinion on that, bro? Yeah, you know, that was one of the things I've been harping on since even week one, right? Like I said after week one, I was like, yo, where was Quinnen? Like you never heard his name. Um, you, You didn't see him. And then week two against the Patriots, it was the same thing, right? Like we've heard Quincy Williams' name more than we've heard Quinn Williams' name. And, and, you know, that to me, that's like eye-opening because Quinnen is a guy that I expected a lot from this year, right? And, you know, it could be a problem with with the foot. Um, you know, I like to look for trends, uh, especially, again, coming from the fantasy football world. I try to look for trends. And so one of the things I was looking at was, okay, if it's a conditioning thing or something with the foot, let's see how his playing time fluctuates from week to week. Week one, he played 61% of the snaps. Week two was 66% of the snaps. So that to me, it was like, okay, it's going up. You know, maybe he, maybe it is a conditioning thing. So, but week three, he's back down to 52%. So the lowest percentage of snaps he's played all year. Um, again, the sack and a half, uh, you know, the, the first one wasn't quite in a, it was a, some not competitive game script, but you know, the, the game wasn't quite over yet. Uh, the half a sack. Yeah. It was a little garbage timey, but um 
I mean, that's what I want to see from Quinnen. Sacks come in bunches, a lot of a lot of big time defensive players say. And so one and a half, that puts him, I mean, even through if he gets half a sack a game, right? That because that's what he's on pace for right now. It's still an eight sack season. That's more than what he more than what he had last year in, in one or I guess in 13 games. But um I think Quinnen is tre- Quinnen could be trending up as because you know, one of the things to note is he had no offseason, right? He didn't really play in the preseason. So this is his like this is his like September. Like he's entering like October is truly like Quinn in September. Cause again, no like didn't have an offseason with the foot. So and then the other thing to me is like he looks kind of I don't want to call an NFL player out of shape or anything, right? Because like I'm not, you know, in in stunning shape here myself, but like he doesn't. He looks. He looked leaner last year than he does this year. Uh, so I, I wonder if that has something to do with it too, because he just doesn't look like the same Quinnen with that explosiveness, uh, that twitch that we saw him with the. You know when he was coming out of Alabama. Yeah, he doesn't look twitchy at all. Like when you watch him, and I watched him on a you know a few series, uh, particularly he's just bull rushing guys. There's, there's no secondary moves that are going on. There's no club and rip. There's no swim. There's no shed. And that's, you know, that's kind of disheartening to see because Quinnen's game is not going to be bull rush. Like he's a strong guy, but he, he's not one of these, you know, he's not like Burns from Carolina where he's just going to overpower you with strength. You know, he needs to use those secondary I think moves. you mean Derek Brown. Derek Brown, sorry. Okay, because I was yeah. like, uh, Burns is the Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's guy. a he's a he's a DN slash outside linebacker. <laughs> yeah, you no, know what I, I I know I know what you mean. I know what you mean totally. Uh, Quinnen, look again. I'm I'm he kind of did the same thing last year, right? Where it, people were like, "Where's Quinnen?" Right? Like, and then he he shows up in that week two game. Uh, you know, I think he had three sacks that game against San Francisco. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with with Quinnen as the week progresses or as the season progresses, and hopefully he can get better. Um, you know, Marcus May continuing to ball out as well, uh, so that's been good. But um, Frank, we got to get into this week two matchup, week four matchup rather. We spent a lot of time recapping this game. We had a lot of venting to, to do, um, but. The New York Jets are home this week against the Tennessee Titans. And according to this segment, or actually is brought to you by DraftKings, uh, week three of fantasy football, week three of football rather, is in the books. And now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. That's sounds I'm trying to make sure there's no typo there. That sounds like a really good deal. $150 for your $1 to a new customer instantly on when you bet on any football game. I mean, look, we're about to get into these games. You might as well take some of these bets right now, but listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any one game to receive $150 
in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sports app now and use promo code TPPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required, one per customer, restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, or in, in, in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And now, let's get into the matchup, man. DraftKings line here, the New York Jets are eight-point underdogs with a 41.5-point total. Just make sure, 45.5-point total. Frank, what are your thoughts here, man? Titans and the under. Um, We've been saying it since the preseason that the beginning part of this schedule is going to be rough. You know, you got Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Julio Jones. That that defense isn't hasn't been playing lights out, but you know, they're capable with being led by Mike Vabral, Vabral rather. I just think it's going to be tough sledding. You know, the jets will be home. That stadium is, can turn on that team really, really quick. And if that happens, it's going to be like another away game. It's unfortunate uh, that you have a portion of our fan base that has that had ideas of grandeur coming into the season and thought we were going to be able to compete for a playoff team, a playoff berth this year and not see, see it for what it really was. And that this was a total rebuild. You know, I was trying to say it earlier, the Jets haven't done this since Mangini got hired where they totally just ripped it, ripped, everything down to the foundation and started from new. And that's what they're doing. They're trying to change the culture. They're trying to bring in playmakers. They're trying to bring in defensive leaders, offensive leaders, leaders in the coaching staff. You know, they changed everything. They changed their trainers. So it's going to take some time. And we've been saying it. it's probably not going to start to see any sort of building until after the bye week. Yeah, I've been on that. I've been on that that thought process for since I saw the schedule. Right, this this schedule opening schedule was tough uh, to see the Jets as anything more than two and four. Or I mean, I think three and three was like best, best, best case scenario. Right, like so two and four or one and five to see them as anything more than that was really just a pipe dream. Right, and so. The bye week that this is like the youngest team in the league. Um, I'm I'm hoping I've had a lot of faith in this coaching staff. Uh, I've had a lot of faith in the way that Salah talks about the use of analytics and um, use of other tools as well. And so 
I'm hoping as any good NFL team would do in a buy during a bye week that there's a lot of serious self scouting that goes on. And I hope that a lot of it is has to do with some data because that would be it would be really good to see if the Jets can can find out what they're good at and how how they can find success on both sides of the ball. Defensively, they've been good, obviously. We know that. Um, but there's always room to get better. Like, I think the Jets have forced one turnover. It was this the, the muffed handoff in, in Carolina. Um, so it would be good to see them be able to fo- – actually, no, they forced two turnovers because they got one in Denver, um, which they weren't able to do anything with because – offense has sucked but uh two turnovers i'd like to see them do more i'd like to see them you know get some interceptions they haven't been able to force an interception or anything like that or um you know so you know hopefully they're able to do that but this is not the bye week this is week four we're talking about the game against tennessee and so with that being said i'm with you i'm taking i really want to take the over here man because i like tennessee could probably score 45 points by themselves at this point like <laughs> I don't know on that defense though, man. That defense is playing no, solid for, sure. for the Jets. They've been playing, they've been and they, playing solid. And they don't have AJ. Their AJ Brown's banged up. So and Julio Jones hasn't done much so far this season. And you know they're going to try to ground the Jets into submission. And no, De- and De- and Derrick Henry is not that running back like Alvin Kamara, where he's going to break an eighty yarder. Like oh, he Derek he can Henry will break, no he will break he, an eighty yarder. Don't say that. Derek Henry will break an eighty no, yarder. But it's gonna look a lot different. Like it's gonna look it's like the fact that it looks different has no bearing on the fact I, that he will still do it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the way he does it is probably is definitely more demoralizing than the way Alvin Kamara would do it. Because Alvin Kamara would do it as a defender, you'd be like, Oh damn, he looks pretty good doing that. Wow, that was a nice move. Derek Henry, you are the end of a vicious stiff arm, and then you are sitting there chasing this man and you're like why can't i chase this man who is 30 pounds heavier than me so yeah it'll definitely be demoralizing i i I agree with you the defense is good but they have not played with an against an offense like like this quite like this one where they tennessee can they can pound you physically but they can also like get over the top on you vertically with julio jones aj brown's banged up he might not play uh but i think Derrick Henry and Julio are going to be enough. Like, I, I don't think that, like, Denver scored 26 points. Mac, Mac Jones scored 25 points. Sam Darnold scored 19. Like, I think Ryan Tannehill and company, I don't think 30 is out of the question for this for this crew. No, no. I, you said 45. So that well, – I'm just saying, I think that 45, I mean, Zach Wilson could throw a pick six or something. Well, know, I think – I think, but I think that's what it's going to come down to is Zach stop trying to play hero ball because that's what he's doing right now. I mean, how can can you ask any quarterback to not play hero ball when they're down by, by 17, 20? Like, right, it's going to be – it's going to become hard. It's, any quarterback is going to want to become more aggressive. It's, it's got to be in your nature. I'd actually prefer – that he is aggressive in these situations as opposed to the opposite. Where he's but I want to see him aggressive in the beginning of the games. Like, I don't want to well, see that's him. On, that's, on, that's on the play calling. Oh, obviously. And I was just going to get into that. I want to see play calls where, like, I haven't seen a deep shot to Elijah Moore. Like, a true deep shot where they're going, they're going trips to one side 
Elijah Moore on the other, and just play backyard football. I don't I don't care. I trust that yeah, Elijah I mean, Moore is better than the cornerback that's playing him. And Zach Wilson's got a cannon. Just put it up there. That's what it is at this point. And then that's going to open up the running lanes, which is going to make it easier for the offensive line to do what they want to do. But but I know what the problem is because Zach Wilson's going to have to do a five to seven step drop for him to take that deep shot. And do we, do we, does Mike LaFleur, does Robert Sala, does Benton trust the offensive line to hold up for five seconds? You know what the part that irks me? Like play action, right? Like we see this all the time. People think you need to run the ball to you need to be able to run the ball to be able to, to for play action to work. And that's not true. Like there have been studies done on this play action. The threat of play action is there just that action alone. Defenders have to respect it. It opens up windows. It opens up passing lanes. So like, I would like to see a lot more play action before the runs are even there, right? Like start out play action on the first, the first play of the game, right? Like whatever you have to do to get these receivers down the field opportunities to run in space there's another problem that's on this offense and it's something i've noticed like a lot of miscommunication there was a play the other day uh i forgot who tweeted it out but you had three receivers uh, i think it was justin fried of of jets press i saw where they were bunched right in the middle of the field in the same the same place it was atrocious atrocious like like you don't even see that on high school field that was just gonna say that bro we we officiate high school football and i don't think we've seen that all year where you have three receivers on one particular area on the field. And you have a pro football team that's doing this with Corey Davis. Maybe the Jets are missing Jameson Crowder. Look, I, I'm tired of trying to figure out what the hell is wrong with the Jets. Like, I'm really tired of trying. Like, maybe maybe Michael Floyd needs to go on the roof. Maybe Denzel Mims needs more playing time. Maybe they miss Jamison Crowder. Maybe Zach Wilson uh, is having too many players, too many people in his head. Maybe the offensive line sucks. Maybe we need to try Chuma Doga. I'm tired of it. Whatever it needs. Like, we don't get paid enough to figure out what is wrong with them. The people in the building get paid to do that. Why can't I, they do it? Because... We're Jet fans, bro. This is what we do. This is what we do. Too much losing, not enough winning. And I really think it boils down to culture. I really think it boils down to that the Jets, I think certain people in the Jets locker room just don't care. And that, and I just, and that's how I feel. And I'm, it's tough for me to say that as a former player and a former coach, but when you look at certain guys and how they play, it's almost impossible to fathom that you have a player for two straight years that has a bottom five record, according to PFF, for a center grade and a guard grade. To me, it's unfathomable. We there, There's no good grades there. Like... A full season last year, three games this year, and PFF every week after week after week grades you bottom five, bottom five, bottom. How is that possible? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like we we never really know, right? Like we're not there, and and PFF's not really gospel. They don't really know, you know. They they try, they do their best to understand blocking schemes, but it, I I understand your point, right? Like Connor McGovern hasn't been great. Whatever whatever it is, I mean, we like. 
we last year we blamed the coaching. We could blame coaching until we're blue in the face. But this year, it's either got to be the, the coach. We didn't get a coach upgrade, or the player is just not good enough. And which one of those two is it? Right, and, and that part. I, I'm I'm at the point where I'm not going to blame two coaching staffs. Right, like yes, Gase was terrible, and and we're on that. But Benton has a great reputation in this league. Like he's a great offensive line coach, or he has been in previous stops that he's been at. So is it just everybody else? And how about we just take some ownership that I have to do better? And how is it every week there seems like there's a free runner coming in the A-gap? How is that possible? As a former center, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. You have to protect the A-gap. I don't like I really don't care that that's not your your man or your gap. At some point you have to take some pride in I don't even at this point I don't even care if the New York Jets offensive line are getting called for holdings every other play. Stop letting this kid get hit every other play with free runners. You know, you heard Van Roten say that Zach Wilson needs to learn to get rid of rid of the ball. And I, and I agree with that. And the rest of his quote, you know, Van Roten seems like he's a very, we oriented football player. Sala was on the Michael K show and said, he's probably the, the best locker room guy that they have on the offensive side of the ball when it comes to accountability. And I think that quote got blown out of proportion, but I think I think a lot of I think this whole team needs to realize is that Zach Wilson is a young rookie and that his offensive line last year at BYU probably didn't see a lot of exotic play calls. So Zach Wilson probably didn't see a lot of stunts and twists and exotic blitzes like like he saw from Matt Rule, Bill Belichick, and Vic Fangio, which are probably three of the better defensive minds in this league. I don't know, man. I'm I'm just I'm just so frustrated with seeing him take free shots. Like it's one thing when you get beat. Like if if Aaron Donald's across from Connor McGovern and he just beats him off the line, I can live with that. But when I see two guys on a specific play blocking air and Zach Wilson's taking a free hit there's a problem. There is a problem. Yeah, whatever. Maybe, maybe, maybe Matt LaFleur just needs to just go back to like not game planning, right? Like, because whatever he did in preseason would look fine to me, right? Like, it, it well, then like who's going to game plan? Who's game planning? <laughs> I don't know, man. You got a know. game plan. It's football, bro. But who I'm who, just saying, who no, else I'm just saying, saying, but we knew looked, that but we knew better that. in the preseason. Yeah, because the saying. defenses aren't game planning. <laughs> right? They're trying to work things out. It's all vanilla defenses, right? And and I let bro, I love Salah, but if I hear one more time that the Jets look great in practice, I'm going oh, that's to the, lose. That's, like the, that's that is the that is the all-time coach head coach. No, specifically New York Jets. Rex Ryan said, oh, hey, we had a great week of practice. Todd Bowles, well, we had a great week of practice. Adam Gates, well, yeah, we had a great week of practice. Like, it's like when you once you put on this, this right here, this, you feel the need to say, 
we had a great week of practice. Denzel Mims, he's been running with the ones. Like, he had a great week of practice. And then he doesn't inactive. even get active. He doesn't even get activated. P Ryan, healthy, not get a- doesn't get activated. Not, I, 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 and I know, I, I, I know you did it, but obviously, but the one thing about P Ryan, he could block in pass protection. He might not be able to break. He might not be able to make something out of nothing. So if it's not blocked for him, he can't do it. But at least you know you have a solid protector back there that's not going to blow coverage like I saw Ty Johnson do time after time in New England and in Denver. Like, it's it's so maddening to me. Like, when Michael Carter goes in there, I that's what I expect. Like, I expect there to be times where he's going to miss a blitz pickup. But like we said, there are certain guys on this roster that have a learning curve. Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Michael Carter the second, Pinnock. You know, we could go through the nine guys that are starting as rookies for this team. But Ty Johnson. Not starting. I don't yeah, know. I know, but yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank you. But Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, who's hurt. Like these guys have no excuse, and the offensive line. Like I, I, I know I keep repeating myself about the offensive line, but I really feel that this is where this all stems from. Like if Connor McGovern was putting Elijah Vera Tucker in a position where he could succeed, like Nick Mangold did this as a rookie. Like it's not unheard of for centers to come in and be okay or put people in the right position. Like the Jets had a good offensive line with two rookies on their offensive line in 06. Yeah, man. It's uh it's been discouraging to see for sure. Um but let's let's get into our locks, man. Let's get into our lock of the week. Uh you didn't submit any locks last week, so you're on mute. Yeah, I got caught up at work uh last minute, so you're you're good, brother. You're good. no, I know. So I I know I meant to send you my lock, but but I, I probably uh, would have got it wrong, so it doesn't even matter. Are you willing? Are you willing to take the? Uh, I'm not so, taking the L. You know, I I'm not taking the L. Oh well, because I I won. So all right, how about this? You pick two games this week, then. Uh, that's fair, right? That's fair. That is fair. We just gotta make it. Gotta make it even. I don't want. I don't want you to say, "Oh, John, you only beat me because you had an extra week to pick." Like. You know, but I'm undefeated on my picks. I just want to throw that out there. We could always do win percentage. Well, what 100%. I, I'm chilling. Right now, that could change very soon, my man. And I feel, no, it, man, com- I feel it coming. I feel it coming. I got the tingling in my body that John's going to start going for an over soon. Oh, yeah. Really? Okay. Well, uh, my lock. I, I think I go lock. first. I think I go first. How is this possible? Because you went first in New England week. So it's my pick. So, but this is technically the New England week. You missed your week last week. So, no, no, the, it was, you know what I mean? I got evens, you got odds. So, oh, is that, we're just going to bounce me? We're just bouncing me? That's okay. That's okay. I mean, uh, winner, winner's court, you know, like winner's (laughs) ball. Uh, I bet. Bet. Go ahead. I'm going to take uh, Cincinnati here to beat Jacksonville. 
Are we just gonna we're just going with the slam dunks, right? Boom. Slam dunks. I mean, it's a lock. Okay. And I don't I don't know how it's a slam dunk. There's two number one picks. You know, Cincinnati's defense is, is relatively okay. Uh I didn't pick against Houston again, which is my move. So well, speaking of Houston, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with Buffalo beating Houston. That is my lock of the week. And for my second game, I'm a betting man. Speaking of betting, go to DraftKings, use our code TPPN. But I'm going to pick the Broncos over the Patriots. Mm. Uh, the, the Buccaneers. Broncos? The Buccaneers. Okay. I was going to say. I know. I caught, I caught it. I, I was going to say. It. I know. You're going to put put me to task. But oh, man. I beat you, too. Um, all right. We'll see what happens, man. So we'll see, definitely. But um, everyone, we appreciate y'all for listening. Love the support. If you could please subscribe to the podcast, however you may be listening, subscribe to the YouTube channel, however you may be watching, obviously on YouTube. But we appreciate you. We love you. We'll catch y'all next week. Hopefully the Jets will be one and three, but they'll probably be on four. But we'll, we can we – can, Look, catch me on Sunday. Like, there's not a more optimistic person celebrating the green and white than me. But during these times, I got to keep it real with y'all. So, uh, until next time. We're in it together. We're in it together. Make sure you follow the show at liftoff underscore NYJ on Twitter. At now we have liftoff on Instagram. Catch Frank at frankieg53 on instagram find him at frankie boss with a z on twitter you can find me at jr football nerd on all social media platforms we love you we appreciate y'all and we're out of here peace love you